12 minutes to go in normal time. Liverpool 3 0. Call a second quickly, Origi! Yeah! 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 Welcome back to another episode of the Long Balls Podcast. No Prem to talk about today. An international break. It's such a sad day. Yeah. So we'll just hop in. We got a different show planned for today. We're going to discuss a couple of topics. Argue, maybe. We'll see. Tyler's in the mood for arguing, I can tell. (laughs) I always Um, am. (laughs) But we'll just hop in and talk a little bit about World Cup qualifying that's been going on. Um, Group A, we're only going to talk about UEFA. I'm not going to talk about any of the other regions. Yeah. Um, so, Group A, Portugal at the top, although they did drop points to Serbia when they really shouldn't have. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ronaldo clearly scored late in that game and it got ruled yeah. off. Well, they didn't call it a goal because they don't have VAR because they yeah. couldn't install VAR in every stadium. <laughs> So they said, instead of using VAR in the stadiums we have it, no one can use VAR at all. I, I mean, I don't hate that part. No, I no, just no, don't it's understand that. Even playing field, of course, it's even playing field, but like, why could you just not have VAR in every stadium? That's a good point. That <laughs> and I don't know what you need to do to install. Like, what? I, and from my understanding, it's just cameras. Yeah. And then they just have the technology. So, like, and, but what about goal line technology? No, they didn't have that. I, I know, but like that, I feel like has been consistent. Even it has been longer. That's that's far, more. Yeah. That's even more widespread. I feel like wherever they could put goal line technology, they've been doing it. I'm shocked they didn't have it. Yeah. So Ronaldo Ronaldo scores that goal, and then he basically throws his armband on the ground. His captain's yeah. on afterwards. <laughs> it was yeah, they got, they just walked off the field. Yeah. Earlier in that game, Ronaldo missed a one-on-one with the goalie, though. Clean yes. through, like from a pass back, right? It, or a bad pass back? It, it was some. It was something weird that happened, but he was basically just clean through, and then he, then the keeper saved it. He was frustrated. He does get frustrated easily, but this may be, dare I say, the best Portugal team that he's had in a long yeah. time. In a very it, long time. In a long time, yeah. Now the defense, maybe some, questions, maybe some questions in the defense a little bit. Pepe's a little old, but besides that, Ruben Diaz, Semedo, Cancelo, I think they'll be all right. Midfield yeah. stacks, of course. We don't need to go through all the squads. We can do this later before the Euros. Let me preview that mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Going to Group B, Spain at the top with seven points. Although they have not looked convincing at all. They tie Greece. No. <clears throat> they um, beat Georgia thanks to a goal in the 92nd minute. And they beat Kosovo, a team that has one win, I'm pretty sure, in World Cup qualifying history by a score of 3-1. to One, um, one win? Are you serious? I, be- I believe so. Um, the goal they gave up in this game was also hilarious. 
um, their goalie, the Spanish goalie, like came out and was like 40 yards out from the goal for like no reason, basically. And the dude just like shot it in from way far out. Nice shot. But like silly. I don't think Spain is a, a serious contender for it. They won't be for a little while, I don't think. No. Um, group C, Italy at the top, nine points, six goals for zero against, with three two nothing wins over Northern Ireland, Bulgaria, and Lithuania. Italy's starting to come back, although they're still just. <laughs> I don't. I'm not very confident in Italy. Their defense. They don't really have a defense. You know, everyone's old. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they do have a def- Yeah, they do have a defense. It's just old. Yeah, they're not as fast. They're relying on thirty-six-year-old defenders, right? Yeah, but it looks like they figured out how to score at least some goals. Even though Chiro Immobile, a European gold Golden Boot winner from last year, only has twelve goals in like forty-five games for Italy. Mm. Which is interesting yes. because most of those games are in Italy, and he's only really been good in his career in Italy. Yeah. <clears throat> Group D. France at the top with seven points again. Seven points. Um, they drop points to Ukraine. <laughs> um, this is it's been weird, and they only beat Kazakhstan two nothing. It's it's been a really weird, really weird qualifying so far in Europe. Yeah, teams have been dropping points where they really shouldn't be. And I read something actually that was like, <clears throat> I think the Nations League is the reason why smaller teams are doing better because they play meaningful games. And they mm. may be actually more prepared to play against good teams. Maybe yeah. that could be part of it. It could just be that a lot of these players have been, they're playing for these top nations have been playing in all these club, uh, club competitions. So at this point they're spread thinner. They're a little bit more tired, especially yeah. like France, Italy, I mean, Portugal. Yeah. They're all, they're all playing multiple competitions. Mm-hmm. Then we go to group E where Belgium sits at the top with, again, seven points. They drop points to uh, Czech Republic. <laughs> Keeping going, Denmark at the top of Group F, a really weak group, to be completely honest, yeah. with nine points. That group is like, whatever. Yeah, that you real, you're real <laughs> lucky if you get put in that group. <laughs> they have 14 goals, four and zero against. Yes destroying teams um and then in group g turkey with seven points at the top ahead of the netherlands and norway how did thanks to actually beaten the netherlands and norway and then tying latvia so a little bit of a letdown there for sure i want to know how some of these teams have or somehow how some of these countries have teams like Like the the faroe islands faroe islands uh, Gibraltar at least is densely populated. The Faroe Islands are like two houses on an island. <laughs> hey, yeah, every country gets a team. I mean, it's beautiful there, but that's a... <laughs> group H shaping up to be the group of death, if you will, with Croatia, Russia, both at six, Slovakia at five, Cyprus with four. <laughs> group I, England at the top with nine points. Poland struggling a little bit. And we do need to mention Robert Lewandowski got hurt and is out for four weeks, meaning he will not play against Leipzig this weekend or PSG in either legs, which very much hurts Bayern's chances 
and it really hurts his chances to break the record, which I'm very saddened by. Um, and then Group J, at the top you have Armenia with nine points. Armenia. Armenia, same thing. Germany in third place in this group thanks to losing, thanks to a loss to North Macedonia. Wild. This is one of the toughest groups, though. Germany's like the opposite that they used to be. Germany used to have a really good defense, but now they don't really have center backs, and it's a huge issue. But anyway, let's get right into our discussions today. Wait, I just wanted a quick little note here on population. Uh, The Faroe Islands have a population as of 2019, 48,000. Gibraltar, 33,000. So. Gibraltar does have a smaller population. Interesting. And you compare that to the population of the state of Delaware <laughs> of 970,000. <laughs> that's crazy. You're talking about a population that's like 118th the size of Delaware. Dude, I, I think that's like... Wh- <laughs> okay, you're talking I got... about the population of the University of Delaware now. Isn't that right about like 50,000? No, it's 20, uh, yeah. something like that. Yeah. But still, it's close. Like it's close. Yeah. 33,000. Like it's like a large college. <laughs> the pop, Yeah, the population of like, Middletown is 21,000 as of 20. <laughs> I mean, that's just wild to think about. All right. Let's hop into it. And the first thing we're going to debate is who was the third best player of the 2010s. This, of course, assumes that Messi and Ronaldo are one and two, in whatever order you please. Debatable. Debatable. <laughs> I mean, it could be. Um, so, does anyone who wants to start? Because I think there's a lot of ways you could go here. This is tough. I, I have not settled on somebody yet. Huh. All right. I think... so. I think it's easy to say someone like Iniesta, right? But if you're looking at the whole 10 years, has he really been impactful for the last few? Mm -hmm. Well, I I don't think you could – I don't think there's a single player who's had, like, a significant impact over all 10 years. Oh, no doubt. If there was one, I would – the one I immediately thought of was Sergio Ramos. That's what I was going to say. He's the closest to Messi Ronaldo in that regard. He's been a consistent goal scorer for Real Madrid (laughs) over the last decade and also at the center of their defense. Mm -hmm. Defense that has won three Champions Leagues in a row, three La Ligas in that time, handful of Copa del Reyes. I think Lewandowski also has a shout here. Yeah. He's been scoring a lot of goals, 300-plus at his time at Dortmund and Bayern. He's missed. He misses out maybe like the first year or two of that, but even still, I mean, they make it to the finals so, yeah, so in 2013. He, came, he left for Dortmund in 2010. The summer of 2010, so he gets basically okay. nine and a half years. Yeah, I, I think. And um, then you look from like 2014 on Neymar, maybe. Neymar, I mean, Luis Suarez, too. I mean, yeah. yeah. Suarez, I think, is a good one, too, because of his years at Liverpool, too, are included. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neuer, 
I mean, a World mm-hmm. Cup winner. Mm-hmm. Neuer might actually be the third. If you think about, it, there was like three years in a row um, where we we would like we'd say that he was the third best player in the world. He, he was, got votes. He got votes for the Ballon d'Or. Right. Yeah. And that's super hard as a keeper. So that shows you. Mm-hmm. He was yeah. third in that, right? One that one year, it was it hit yes, him again. He came in third. I think it was 2014, maybe, the yeah. the World Cup year. Yes. Yeah. Um. I mean, Modric could be up there too. He won a Ballon d'Or. <laughs> yeah, I've. Well, I don't know if that one was. <laughs> we know, that I one's a little. Don't I don't think know he about really that deserved one. that. Uh-oh. That should have been a topic. Did Modric deserve his Ballon d'Or? I mean, he like kind of carried his team to a World Cup. Or uh, uh, it was nice to see them not give it to Ronaldo or Messi. But oh, that that should have happened this year too. But no, it got canceled. Yeah, <laughs> I can't believe they canceled it. I actually like the Neuer shout the best. Yeah, I think, I think if you talk like, about like consistency too across. Yeah, the 10 I mean years. Neuer maybe in like 2019 wasn't too hot, but besides that, very consistent. One, yeah. two tra- oh, that treble was in 2020. Um, won one treble, a World Cup. Yeah, and uh, like separation above the competition in their positions. If you think mm-hmm. about like, okay, Messi was definitely, I mean, he, you know, he played all over, but like, we'd say for all intents and purposes, Cam or right, center right. forward. I mean, he played most of it more towards the center. If you think about the first five, I guess once Suarez comes in, it's pushed out. So it's hard to say. Yeah. But in, in, in what they do. Go ahead, Brian. I was going to say basically from 2014 to 2017, like that summer when Neymar leaves, you can say he was a winger. But for the rest of that, he was primarily more central. Yeah. I mean, so, I used to always play him in FIFA down the middle. Yeah. Get more touches. So him and Ramos are, I think, Neuer and Ramos are the only ones that have separated themselves so far above their competition in their positions to be in that conversation. Because I think there's way too many other people like Suarez, Lewandowski, Neymar. They're all so close. That I don't know if you can pick one of them to be the third best player. Yeah, I agree. Um, moving on. Does Ryan agree? Oh, does Ryan? No, agree? I, I would. I would say Ramos. Okay. All right. All right. Let's go to the better team over the last decade: Man City or PSG. I think this is no question, Man City. I think Man City have been more impressed. Basically, trophy-wise, they're roughly equivalent. They've both won the league a bunch of times. PSG has won it more, but they're obviously in a much weaker league. I don't know the cup situation, but Man City have won a lot of cups. PSG have reached the Champions League final, and City have failed to get that far. Mm -hmm. But I think of what Man City has done domestically and even more so than what they have done, the way that they have done it and like how they've played and just dominated. And they've also I, done it in I, the Premier League as opposed yeah. to League League On, where 
PSG have had virtually no competition. Yeah, I, I just, besides that one Monaco team. They, well, they also lost the title in 2011. It was earlier on, yeah. To Montpellier? What year the year win? before Hazard went to Chelsea. Um, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, that year. I'm looking it up. 2012, it hops off by one. Bummer. So they lost it twice in the 10 years. But there's very good reason why you don't see a Premier League team winning the Prem eight out of 10 years. Because there are other teams that are good. Yeah. And other teams that have the ability to spend that much money. No other team in France is dropping hundreds of millions of dollars. No. Agreed. No other team in France is owned by a country. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> I can't. I can't deny that. Yeah. <laughs> so I would say who's been more impressive over the last decade, Man City. Who's impressive, but that team? wasn't the better. That was yeah. the question. We've never gotten to see them play over the last decade either. That I can remember. No, I don't think that's... they've ever met in the Champions League. Yeah, not that I. Um, I would say consistently, PSG probably had a better team. I mean, if you think about like Thiago Silva, Vincent Company. Yeah, but individual players don't make a team. Zlatan Aguero, yeah, Di Maria, Berlin. Tough to say. Yeah, I the the real the the question is how much weight do you give them making it to the Champions League final? Well, they also made it to the Champions League final in a year where they didn't have to play two legs in the knockout stage. That's true. So not much weight, I guess. This is this is a PSG team that has never made it past the quarterfinals except last year. And Man City. You can say the same thing for Man City. Yeah. Pretty sure. <laughs> They've never made it past the quarterfinals. Both teams struggle in the Champions League or have struggled. I don't think Man City's... No, I think they made it to the quarterfinals and lost to... Um... Yeah, they've never made it past the quarterfinals. Yeah. 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 PSG when they had a very controversial loss. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Whenever PSG has gone out, it hasn't really been controversial. They've been just beaten. The bad. Yeah. They've just been beaten by Chelsea normally. Or Barcelona. Yes. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to go with Man City. Final answer. Right. says the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. When I crafted that question, I was thinking you guys might give a little bit more weight to what they've done. In the Champions League, but that's that's fair. Um, let's go to players, and let's talk about Mesedozel. Is he overrated or underrated? <laughs> what? If, what? If I'm really question. curious to go. Really curious to hear what you guys think about. I think he's one. disrespected. Ooh. But maybe rightfully so. <laughs> um, on his day, when he cares yep. and puts effort in, he's one of the best attacking midfielders 
the world has seen in the last decade. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody would argue that. But it seems no, like his, I would not. His, his lack of work ethic is a huge issue. Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, you're talking about someone. Look at these assist numbers for Real Madrid, 14, 18, 14. Now, it's pretty easy to assist when you have Ronaldo and Benzema and Higuain up there scoring all the goals. But then when he goes to Arsenal, you see five in his first, or nine in his first year, then five, 19, nine, eight, two, two. Oh, that 19, he had like 19 in like December and then didn't get one yeah, the rest of the season. <laughs> yes. I mean, he's never been a massive goal scorer. He was also a huge part of the Germany World Cup win. Yes. With one goal and one assist during the tournament, but he played a very big role for that team. Um, I don't know. Right? I mean, he plays for Fenerbahce now, and he has zero goals and zero assists in six games. Yeah, but that could just be some part of it. It's the adjustment, but I think he's overrated. And maybe that's just because I hear a lot from like my brother in the Arsenal crowd and everything, and they hype up Ozil way too much. Because back when he was playing, you would sit there and be like, okay, why aren't you running back? Why aren't you doing this? What well, like he just wouldn't some days he would care, some days he wouldn't, some days and then sometimes he would care for only like the last 10 minutes. Yeah. I think he's w- way overrated. He I mean, his last, good, but... his last few years, he was definitely just collecting a paycheck because he just stopped. He was like, all right, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> he's, yeah. Like, we, he's like, we suck. <laughs> I'm not putting any effort in. Um, now, does that have something to do with the manager, perhaps? Yeah. I still feel like he's a very talented player when he cares. Yeah, he just didn't care enough. To be rated as highly as he is sometimes. Yeah, sometimes people treat him like he is like Kevin De Bruyne, you know. Right. De Bruyne is better than Ozil. Right now, at their peak, so that's, that's an interesting question. Uh, I but mean, that, I would still think De Bruyne is better at his peak. Than oh, at his Ozil. peak? I don't know. At his peak, Ozil I might never say Ozil could goal better. score like De Bruyne could. And they De Bruyne's playmaking players. is fantastic. De Bruyne also does. Yeah, but Ozil's was kind of like, it, it, well, it was flashier. It was flashier playmaking. Yeah. De Bruyne scores slightly more goals. Well, I'll get in probably around the same, a little bit more of assists. While also playing defense. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so to answer if Ozil's underrated or overrated. Oh, right now. Right now, he's probably a little overrated. What do you mean right now? I mean, as like, do people overrate his career or underrate his career? His I mean, like, right career, now, he's on freaking Fenerbahce. His whole career, people, I mean, honestly, people probably underrate him for his whole career. People don't give him the credit he deserves because he doesn't try. I think that's right. I, I don't <laughs> Because of it, because of the sour taste people have in their mouth in the last few years at Arsenal. Yeah, similar to Alexis Sanchez in that regard. Yeah, how they tailed off and then they could forget their former brilliance. Mm-hmm. I guess my my point with it is that in his brilliance, he was too streaky to be consi- to be as great considered as great as he was. 
No, at his, Zidane. At his peak, Ozil was game in and game out, making plays. Well, maybe his peak at Real. He was still young at Real. But at Arsenal, even the, even the year he scored, or he had 19 assists. He was every other game. It was different. It was a different player. I guess that's fair. Um, let's move over to who has been more underrated or deserving of more respect out of Thomas Muller or Kareem Benzema over their whole careers. To me, this question. is no no question, no debate. No debate. So who are you going with? Muller. So I think Benzema's not that good. So to answer who might be more underrated, the answer is probably Benzema. Because I think Muller is rated just fine. Yeah. And people recognize that. Good Ma- maybe. Yeah. Okay. Um, but deserving of more respect? Deserving of more respect, Thomas Muller deserves to be recognized more. I think. Right, between the two. But at where they are right now, maybe Benzema needs more respect than what I mean, give him. After Ronaldo left Real, Benzema's been balling out. He's been carrying that load of scoring goals for Real. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just... I don't know what it is about him. I just don't, I just don't think he's that... So, which is hypocritical because I, I do like other players that play similar to him. There's just something about him. So, going off of this here, um, per 90 minutes, Kareem Benzema across his career averages one goal and four assists, 0. 0.88. So, we're 0.88 goals and assists per 90 minutes. Yeah. So, almost. A goal or assist per game. Muller's is 0.83. So Benz is a little higher. They do play different positions. Mm-hmm. Muller has been more of a center forward cam as opposed to Benzema's center forward striker. And you're looking at Thomas Muller, a player who over the last decade has had one, two, three, four, five seasons. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. I was looking at the wrong thing. One, two, three, four five, six, seven, eight seasons with double-digit assist. Which, for those math folks out there, is uh, 80%. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. And Benzema, meanwhile, he, he does score a lot of goals. You were talking about 15, 21, 11, 17, 15, 24. 24 is the most he scored. Muller used to be a goal yeah, scorer. Muller's mm-hmm. most goals in the season was 20 for Bayern. Um, and then things changed a little bit. You know, the coaching situation switched up. His role got changed. And he has thrived as a playmaker. To be arguably the best attacking midfielder in the world. Mm. Maybe him and, him and De Bruyne would probably be. I think that would be overrating. I, I don't think he is on the same level as De Bruyne. No, me neither. Yeah. I said arguably. As in I don't. I don't think. I don't even think there's an argument. I, I don't think there's an argument there. I think there's an argument. I mean, he broke the record for most assists in the Bundesliga. Didn't yeah, the, the, the Bundesliga. I don't think the, no, De Bruyne tied it. He tied. He well, he did it in a harder league. 
tied it in a harder <laughs> league. Yeah, a harder league with more games. Oh, true, but very true. Thank you. I mean, you're playing. Wait, like but Shulka. but most most assists in a season, as long as the number of games in the Bundesliga <laughs> stayed the same, then that doesn't matter. Oh yeah, you that doesn't matter. Yeah, wait. <laughs> yeah, you're right. they, so Muller finished with 21. The Bruyne finished with 20. The point or more did it with 26 26 games started though. Just saying. Um but yeah. I mean last year he probably had a better year than Brian. No, he didn't. Same. Never mind. Ignore that statement. <laughs> no, he didn't. Um <laughs> quick reversal there. For some, for some reason I was thinking of something else. Um but he's a baller. And I think he is rated right where he should be hmm. but maybe deserves a little bit more respect i don't know how you can differentiate those two i think it's i think it's different yeah. i I, w- I was going along just like the same lines because i didn't because like underrated means like that they're rated lower but like i don't know respect i feel like yeah, is thanks. different because well yeah <laughs> but like like right now everyone's like oh Benzema's carrying Real Madrid yeah but I feel like that all during that like throughout like the earlier part of the decades it was the BBC and Benzema was the last of that part mm-hmm. you're like yeah because it's Bale and Ronaldo but he was still pretty good then but then even before that when Real had Higuain I don't know if this was just me but I always thought Higuain was better and then while Bale was still at Real playing third fiddle to the other two, Higuain was off scoring the most goals in a Serie A season. So I feel like oh, yeah, that in that aspect, Benzema didn't get the respect that he deserved just because of by comparison and the role that he had to play is different. And now he's showing that when he's asked to do more and asked to score more, he can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just feel like there's more people that could do what Benzema does in that team. Then, Maybe not the team right now. The team yeah, before, right now. yeah. The team right yeah. now, it's very impressive that Benzema still is more in the way he has. The team is, I think, better than some people give it credit. No, they're pretty crappy. I mean, they're still at mm. the top of La Liga, but like comparatively on the European stage. I mean, you're starting yes, a team with, yes, but, Rod, uh, with a, what's his name? Vinicius Jr., who is a really great dribbler. He's so bad at his shooting. Is probably worse than Burner's. But that yeah. doesn't. That shouldn't matter for Benzema. You're also like, talking about like Modric and Cruz are older too. Like this Real Madrid team is worse than it has been in some time. Yeah, no, nobody's. I'm not disagreeing. I I just think people act like it's some crap team. Like there's this is still Real Madrid. I think it's a different Real Madrid. Yes, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with that. But like. We're acting like he's out here playing with freaking farmers. He, this is still a better team than most Premier League teams. I would say than like maybe the top six or seven Premier League teams. Like based off of how Real has played. Okay, I don't know. Right off of how Real has played this season, I think if you take Benzema out of their team, they're probably down a good 10 points without yeah. that. Well, but that's hard to say just like, oh, take Benzema out of the team and like act like they're playing with 10 players. If you throw any other random striker in there, 
how many yeah, you think I, they're down 10 yeah, points? Have. Yes. There's a reason why Mariano, Absolutely. Diaz, Mariano Diaz doesn't score. I think he has like <laughs> one Luka Jovic has gone on loan. Well, he flopped a bit, but I don't know if that – I think that's more just him. Let's see. How much does their backup striker – how many goals does he have? Mariano Diaz, one goal. Yeah, season. well, I don't think that's a fair – I mean – I'm not saying you said any other striker. Mariano Diaz is any other. Okay, yes. I I mean, any other striker that will start for a decent team. (laughs) You don't think Mariano Diaz would start for a team? No. He's so bad. I can't believe Real Madrid. I mean, like, if you threw. Like, Luka Jovic. Maybe, but they just. He hasn't had enough time to. I'm trying to think maybe I think if you like Suarez he's much better I don't think that's I'm trying to find somebody I think is along the same lines I think Suarez will do yeah Um, like do you think you could throw like Ilicic up there and he'd be balling out mm, I'm just thinking of a more creative passing center forward type player I don't I don't think so either all right. I like I think you could throw this no, no, I can't say that. Never mind. Don't disrespect Benzma. I I'm not disrespecting him as like I, I'm disrespecting him relative to how other people respect him, if that makes any sense. What name were you gonna say? I was gonna say somebody like Gabriel Jesus. Yeah, that would be disrespectful to Benzema. That would be. Yeah. That's why I didn't say it. <laughs> Jesus is a bomb. But different conversation. Um, Jamie Vardy would, would score just as many, if not more, goals. Maybe. But I, I, I will stand by that. The Real system is different, though. Jamie yeah, Vardy doesn't, hard, speak, hard he doesn't speak Spanish, though. He speaks kicking LGBTQ flags. <laughs> um, one of the craziest. <laughs> let's let's cross the uh, Atlantic and talk about America, and let's talk about the U.S. national team, rather the under twenty three national team, not qualifying for the Olympics. Does that matter for U.S. soccer? That I could go both con- ways here. For the third consecutive Olympics, we will not be competing. I think I it like... does matter. I think there's arguments both ways. There's def- there's I, I 100% agree with that. This Because I could see it either way, I'm not too concerned that we didn't, but I do think yeah. it, it is impactful in certain ways. Because... Yeah. First off, the team should have been able to win the game anyway. I mean, just like purely, should they have qualified? Yes. So the fact that we didn't, I think, matters that we weren't able to live up to the players that we have out there on the pitch. I think that's a, that's a concern. Um, as a whole, like if we weren't as good, and like okay, we're not. In, what are we losing anything? by not being in the Olympics. I think a little bit of recognition. Um, we would have had a good chance to go far, I think, because we would have been able to use a lot of our good players. 
I mean, most of the the top squad is under twenty three. Yeah, I don't know exactly the rules about when you have to be like registered with which team or something. I think you could just as long as you're under twenty three, it doesn't matter. And then you get what three players who are over that? Yes, that age. So, considering we wouldn't really be playing anything else this this summer, um, that would have been really big, I think, especially because the women's team has obviously dominated in the Olympics and the and the World Cup. It would have been something, I think, for the men to be able to show if they could have gone far in it. Um, and I think it's also important to show, because we keep talking about this youth being the next stage, like we're going to be good, like 2026, oh, we're going to be good. Well, if our under-23s can't qualify for the Olympics in CONCACAF, they're not going to be good when they've got to go play you know, Brazil and Germany and England and France. So that that matters. Right. I know it's not the agreed, top, it's, not, it's not the best 20, so, 23 year olds. Yeah. Know. So I fully agree with the fact that most of our under 23 players are on the actual national team, right? And let's just take another country, for example, France. If most of their best players were under 23, they would be on the French national team, not the Olympic team. For right. good reason. The Olympics do not matter in soccer. I will yeah. live and die on the fact that this does not matter at all for US soccer. But I will mention the last time the U.S. played in the Olympics, 2008. This is listen, listen to some of the names in the roster, and just just compare them to uh, the names that are there now that you would absolutely not recognize at all. So, on this roster, 2008, Freddie Adu, Josie Altador, Michael Bradley, Maurice Adu, Benny Fallhaber. He's had a good career in the MLS. Brad Guzan, Stuart Holden. Brian McBride, Michael Parkhurst, Robbie Rogers, Dax McCarthy. Just some of the names, some of the recognizable names. A lot of those players had great careers in the MLS. Yeah, good national team careers. Yes. Josie Alcidor, Michael Bradley, the two biggest ones there. And Brad Guzan. Mm -hmm. That's why it might matter because obviously in the World Cup in 2010, 2014, we did well. And that could be seen as Experience. the player from 2008. Perhaps. Perhaps. We just, lost, we just lost your audio there for a second, Ryan. I don't know what happened, but at the end of what you said. Yeah, I, I received a spam call. Oh. Um, um, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I think it matters for experience, too, because I understand it doesn't matter because the squad we put out there wasn't that good. And that our best players are playing on the national team. But the squad mm-hmm. of players that was out there still should have been able to win. And it would have provided something for the top players to play for on the international stage. I just think I also would have liked to see us in it. Yeah, I, um, I don't think we would have done good at all if we made it. Now, Grant, losing to Honduras you don't think we would is have incredibly made embarrassing. Yeah. Um, you don't think we would have done good at all if if all our players on the no, national team if they played, played in it? That you're saying like, that's what I'm arguing. People I, like Pulisic, Sergino Dest. No, we would have had a very good chance to win it. Right. That's my point. Yeah. Is that we? Why? Why don't we take that seriously? Because, I mean, what else is Pulisic and them going to be doing over the summer? I mean, training their clothes. But I mean, while all of them are on are playing in the Euros, 
right? So, so even, so the best players of the European nations who are younger aren't going to be playing in the Olympics, right? We, we would have had a really good chance. I think that's winning an Olympic medal is something special. Whether, like let's, let's disregard soccer for a second here, like total for the country that would have been special. Yeah. No, no doubt. No doubt. Um, so you just compare those players that I listed to most of the starters at the time in 2008, like Tim Howard, Steve Turandolo, um, yeah. Clint Dempsey, Michael Bradley was a starter for the national team already. Mm-hmm. Um, Demarcus Beasley. Landon Donovan. Land- Landon Donovan, the captain, of course. Stuart Pierce. Um, just to name some of them. Those were mostly yeah. the consistent starters. But, like, nowadays, um, yeah, like, if we started the, our actual national team for the qualifying, yeah, we would win. We would go to the Olympics and do very good in it. Right. That, that, that was my argument. I don't think it matters for the actual under-23 players. I think it matters the fact that they – why that they didn't beat Honduras, but then also that the actual national team couldn't then go back to playing under 23s and yeah. try and do something I, there. I, I think it's ridiculous that we couldn't beat Honduras, but besides the fact, none of, and I don't want to say none, maybe a couple of the players on that team today or that when they lost will ever even really play for that actual national team, let alone have meaningful careers for the national team. Yeah, probably not. I don't, I don't think I even knew anybody on that team. Wait, there was one I recognized. I forget who it was, but... Anyway, let's move on to the MLS and talk about should the MLS adopt the league structure that Europe has and that the team at the top just wins the league? Or would it make things more interesting if European leagues adopted a playoff system? Or is that like too Americanizing of the sport? It's a good question. And I think both should sort of stay the same. The only thing I would advocate is that I think MLS should add relegation. Yeah. Um, we have, but I like, now. yes, we, we should be able to figure this out. Yeah. But I do. I think that the the cup system or the the uh, the playoff system in the MLS is good because you you do have to keep American concept. It adds more excitement to it. It's like a it's a very American concept. Mm-hmm. Yes, very like few the, leagues yeah. do that in Europe. It's something that separates it, but you also keep the things that keep the the league fresh and turning in new players. Change like um, that relegation does. So. I, that's good. Um, and I don't think that the, the European league should change. Obviously I, I mean, we would sound pretty like the naive yeah, Americans. I agree. They already, have, they already have their like cups where they have playoffs think more or less or playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there should be more weights. The hmm? I think there should be more weights on the, on the cups. I, I don't like how teams are disregarding them. I think the league cup should go away so that the FA cup can be 